Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 3, verses 1 and verses 5 through 16. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray together again. Father, our, our desire and our need is to meet with you in your word. And so we ask that by the Holy Spirit, you would help us to do that. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 55, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Are you familiar with that verse? He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I guess what that means is that when it comes to wisdom and planning and insight and understanding, um, God just operates on a completely different level than we do. We're down here. God is way up there. And so this is why very often... God will do things in our lives that we don't understand. Has that ever happened to you? Or God will plan things for us that will catch us completely by surprise. Or we'll look at the world around us, the ways of God in the world, and from our limited perspective, they, we just can't make sense of them. God, it, when it comes to his wisdom and his planning, he's, he's operating on a different level. And I think that's something that we see in the passage that we're looking at today. I just, I just want to make two uh, points from this passage. First, I want to talk about God's puzzling ways, ways that we don't understand, God's puzzling ways. And then secondly, I want to talk about God's higher purpose. So let's look at God's ways. Um, we're studying right now the Old Testament book of Joshua. And Joshua is the account of how God brought the people of Israel into Canaan, into the, the promised land. And today, Today we're at the point where they finally go into the land after, uh, what, 400 years of slavery, 40 years of wandering. Finally, God brings his people into the land that he promised them. 
But the way God does this is baffling. It's just not, it's not what you would expect. So one, one thing that's puzzling about what God does here, one thing that's puzzling is where God leads them. If you ever look at a map of the Middle East, you'll see that from the Sinai Peninsula, where they had been wandering for 40 years, from the Sinai Peninsula into Palestine or Israel, it's basically a straight shot from the south to the north. You just kind of walk in. There's no major bodies of water, no, no rivers to worry about. Um, it's very easy to go into Israel that way. In fact, 40 years before this, when God had first tried to take them in and they didn't have enough faith to go in, that's the way God took them, just the easy way, south to north. But this time, God has led them way over to the east, way up to the north, in what would be modern-day Jordan, near Amman, Jordan, where from that point, the, right there, the only way to get into Israel is to cross this river. See, there, there, are, there are other ways to get into Israel. There are, there are easier ways to get into Canaan, but God, God has led them to the one and only place where the, the only way you can get in is to cross this river. Listen, with all of, their, all of their flocks and their herds and their children and their possessions. So they must be saying, why did God bring us here? So where God brought them is puzzling. Second thing that's puzzling is when God brought them there. You see in verse uh, 15, it says, now the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest. So this was flood stage. And apparently what, I, what you can learn is that for most of the year, the Jordan River is not that difficult to cross. This is not, we're not talking about the Hudson River here. It's not that big. It's, they tell us most of the year is like 100 feet across, which what, that maybe from here to the other side of Crescent Street, all right, not very far. In many places, it's no more than just three feet deep. It's not, it's not that hard to cross. But at flood stage, it's completely different. It, the, the river can be as much as a half a mile wide. The current is racing, ripping through. The, 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 the water is very deep. There's all these tree limbs and debris from upstream that are just rushing down. So for most of the year, it's easy to cross that river. But... God leads them there at the one time when crossing the river can get you killed. Now, if I was one of those Israelites, I'd probably be thinking to myself, you know, Lord, seriously? Really? Right? It has to be right now? Right now? I mean, we've, God, no, no, no disrespect, but we have been wandering for 40 years. 40 years. You can't wait a few more weeks? It has to be now? So God's timing is just so confusing. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I don't understand God's timing in my life. So what's puzzling is where God leads them. What's puzzling is, is when God leads them there. And then one more thing that's puzzling about uh, what God is doing is the way that God leads them to cross the river. You know, the priests, we're told the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is it was that sacred box made of very precious wood covered with pure, uh, pure gold. It was carried, it was carried along the, these, these two long poles, and the priests would carry this inside of the Ten Commandments, and the ark represents the presence of God with the people of Israel. And God says, verse 8, Tell the priests who carry the ark of the covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, remember, rushing, dangerous waters, Go and stand in the river. 
And verse 13, that's further explained. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So basically what God is saying to these, these priests is, here's the way I want you to do this. I want you to go up to that river. I want you to walk out into the water. And when you do that, I will, I will dry up the river. Now, if I'm one of those priests, again, I'd, be th I'd just be thinking, Lord, no disrespect here. I like your idea. I think we can go with it, all right? But I'd just like to tweak your plan a little bit, if you don't mind. How about instead of us first stepping into the water and then you dry up the river, how about this, God? First you dry up the river and then we'll step in, right? Wouldn't that make more sense? And God says, no, that's not my way. That's not what I'm thinking. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your, your ways are not my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so, so are my uh, ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So see, here's what's going on in this passage. That the people, finally God brings them to the land, but they're, listen, they're, they're, where they are is not where they expected to be. God's timing, it doesn't mesh with their understanding of the way the timing ought to be. The way God is asking them to just step out on faith doesn't make any sense. And I would bet, I bet some of us can relate to that. Can you relate to that? Maybe right now you're just, the place you are in life. Like every day you're just holding back tears. God, why, why? I didn't envision my life being this way right now. This is not, you know how we all have that when we're young, you have that little unwritten life script for yourself. This is, this is the way it's going to go. And you're like, this, God, why do you have me here? Or maybe it's God's timing that's so confusing. I've, I've felt this. You've ever felt this? God, I don't understand. You need a new watch or something? Or when, what's the matter here? Why is it, why are you taking so long? Answer my prayers. I know they're good prayers. Why are you taking so long? Or maybe it's the way that God just asks you to keep stepping out on faith and you don't understand. So you, we can relate to this passage, can't we? Where we just say, I don't understand God right now. So the first thing we see here is that God's ways are puzzling. Second thing we see is that God knows what he's doing. He has a he has a higher purpose for all of this. Now, the thing you want to understand from this passage is that God was not telling these dear priests to go step out into the, the dangerous river because he hated them, right? He didn't bring the people of Israel to, to the Jordan at flood, flood season because he wanted to condemn them or didn't love them. God had a plan for this. He had a purpose. Oh, what was the purpose? Well, do, do you remember, you know the story for, of the Exodus, Forty years before this, when God brought the previous generation out of their slavery in Egypt, something very similar to this event happened. Remember that? God brought them out of Egypt, and then instead of taking them straight up to, to, to Palestine, to Canaan, God kind of had them wandering in the wilderness, and they find themselves trapped in front of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army is coming, and they're all, you know, what's going to happen? And God just comes down and parts the sea, Right? It's very similar, right? I mean, again, they find themselves in a place that doesn't make any sense. Again, they are faced with this, this uncrossable water. And again, God is going to let them cross on dry ground. 
So you read this and you almost get the sense, wait a minute. It's like God is just sort of reenacting, reenacting for this generation, the Red Sea crossing that their parents had seen. As, as if God just wants to communicate, uh, well, here's what God wants to communicate. Verse 7, he says to Joshua, it's like, Joshua, here's why I'm doing this. I know that it doesn't make any sense, but here's why. He says, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you as I was with Moses. Now, th this, is, this is not uncommon. Very, very often God will do this. He'll bring us to a place that just... It seems so inexplicable and so unreasonable, and we can't understand. And, and, and again, if you're like me, you start to beat yourself up. Maybe God is mad at me. Maybe I did something wrong. I wonder if any of the Israelites were feeling that way. And God says, no, I just want you to know I'm with you. I'm with you. Joshua explained that to the people in verse 10. Um, he says, listen, when you see what God's going to do, when he dries up the river, he says, this is how you will know that the living God is among you, that you will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites. You know, we don't know who these people are. They knew who they were. They're thinking about this. How are we going to face these crises in the future? And, and, and Joshua says, this is how you're going to know God will be with you in the future because of what he's doing right now. So... God's whole purpose for this inexplicable event was God just saying, I love my people, I want them to know I'm with them, and I want to turn them into men and women of rock-solid faith. And I wonder if God's doing that for anyone here today. God just saying, you know, I love you so much. This hard time that I'm putting you through is not because I hate you. I'm, I, I want you to know, I'm gonna, I want you to know I'm with you. So that when you face enemies in the future, you'll have this kind of faith. And you know, isn't that, how many of you have ever experienced that? Isn't that the way God normally works? I mean, you can learn a lot by reading good Christian books. I hope you do. You, you can gain a lot by reading the Bible. I strongly recommend that. You can learn a lot from sermons. You know, I'm glad you're paying attention today. But when God really, really, really deep down inside, wants you to know he's with you. Very, very often he'll bring you to a river you can't cross on your own. How many of you have ever been at a river? You know what I'm talking about with that metaphor. You just can't cross on your own. So um, 1 Peter chapter 1, for example, says that God will, God will intentionally use difficulties in our life to purify our faith the same way that gold is purified by fire, just to burn out the things that shouldn't be there. And... Uh, Romans chapter 5, God says, it says that sometimes God will even bring suffering, but suffering that produces perseverance, and perseverance that produces character, and character that builds this hope in us. J James chapter 1 says that the testing of uh, your faith produces perseverance, and then when perseverance has finished its work, you, you become mature, you become complete, lacking nothing. So, so God's higher purpose for bringing them to that river and maybe bringing you to a hard place in your life right now. It's not that he hates you. It's not that he's mad at you. It's because he's like, you're going to see what I'm going to do. 
and I'm going to teach you to trust in me. Now, verse 12, um, Joshua says, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And that seems like, doesn't that seem like an extraneous detail? What, what's the deal with the 12 men? Why are, you, why are you doing this? You don't understand that until you, if you read on into chapter 4 of Joshua, you see why these 12 guys who are standing off to the side watching everybody cross, why, why they were set apart. And at, after everyone has crossed the river and the priests are still standing out there and the water is stopped way upstream, then Joshua says to the 12 men, now guys, I want each one of you Go out there into the middle of the riverbed, grab as big a boulder as you possibly can, hoist it up on your shoulder, carry it up on shore, and put them in a big pile. And they're all like, what's the deal with the pile? And then he explains to them in Joshua 4, he says, this will be a memorial from here on out for every generation. You know, you bring your kids and, and, and show them that pile of rocks. And they say, you know, Dad, Mom, what's the pile of rocks? You'll explain to them, this is just proof God is with us. The living God is with us. You see that river there? It was at flood stage. There was no way to get across. God brought us to this place and God brought us through. It's just to be a memorial for generations to come. They could always look at that. They say, kids, go touch the stones. Go look at them. Go, go sit on them. You know, if they had cameras, they would take their picture. This, this memorial, just so you'll know, no matter what you face, God is with you. No matter what you face, he loves you, he's committed to you, he's with you. So they had that memorial. And you say, wouldn't it be great if we had a memorial like that? I mean, not something we could actually touch and see and feel, something tangible. Just a memorial that would just say, God, this is God's reminder. I'm with you. Well, if you look in front of me, that table right there. That's our memorial. Just kind of God's way of saying, I, I want you to, every, every time you come to this table, I want you to just remember, I love you. The living God is with you. You are my people. Just like that pile of stones. This is our memorial. You say, well, how is this our memorial? Well, as you know, the bread, the wine represent the body, the blood, the death of Christ for us. And the death of Christ for us is kind of like our, it's kind of like our river crossing. So let, let me explain. Um, you, you read through this, this passage, what's repeated. Every time the priests are mentioned, it, it describes it. They're carrying the ark of the Lord, the ark of the Lord, the ark of the Lord. I counted like at least six times. If you read the whole chapter, it just, it just keeps repeating the ark of the Lord, the ark of the Lord. The emphasis, the emphasis in this passage is the ark, Okay. The ark was the symbol of the presence of the living God among them. It's like this is God's presence. So symbolically, when the priests carrying the ark enter the river, it's as if God himself stepping into the river, the, the raging river, the, the rushing river, the river that kills people, the river that destroys people, it's, just, it's at flood stage, right? It's as if when they see the ark go in first, it's as if God is saying, I'm going to step in the river so you don't have to. I'm going I'm to walk out into the current and the stream so that you don't have to. So you cross uh, on dragon. So symbolically, if you understand the symbolism with the ark, symbolically, that's what's going on. Now, here's, here's my point. What happens symbolically in Joshua 3 at the Jordan River 
It happened literally for you, Christian, at the cross. At, at the cross, in, in, when Jesus died on the cross, in the person of his son, it's like God himself was stepping into the river so you don't have to face it. What river? The river of judgment, the river of death, the river of hell, the river of God's wrath. God himself said, I will take the stream. I'll walk out there. And you never will. Because I'll take it for you. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He he stepped into the deadly, un uncrossable river so that you and I cross into God's promised land, dry ground. And so this memorial is just to remind us, no matter what you face, listen, I don't know if you're facing something hard right now or you will face something hard three months from now. But let, let this be like our memorial. You come up here and just say, this is... God wanted, God wanted me to know. He just wanted me to, to taste this today. He wanted me to experience this. They just wanted me to know. He just wanted to remind me today that he loves me and he's with me. And no matter what I'm going through, he has a purpose for this. So Christian, when you come to the table today, would you let God remind you of that? And just in a deep way, say, God, I, I, I receive this from you today. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. We don't understand your plans or your ways, but we, we know your heart, God. We know your love because you proved it for us when you gave Jesus. So I pray for anyone here today that's in a confusing place or a difficult place, that in a, in a way far deeper than my words ever could, in, in deeply through your Holy Spirit, you would assure them of your love. And I pray for any of us who've, who've never yet received your love in Christ, that today would be the day where we would say from the depths of our heart, I want that kind of sin. And I ask this for your glory in Christ's name.